Hey, 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 we are back with Is This Making Sense? Dialogues on the Pursuit of Balance, Wisdom, Leadership, and Everything in Between. My name is Eric Johnson. I'm here with Seth Gray, and we are going to talk about scale. And we're going to talk about a second topic, nothing new under the sun. Uh, This is uh, the idea of originality, something you and I have kicked around privately, but we want to talk about it with everyone here. Um, But before we get into that topic, let's talk about the idea of scale. And this is something that you brought up with me and you've started to share with me. And um, just just where did you get this idea of, of looking at decisions through the concept of scale? Yeah, so I'm still working through this idea. Um, Some of it may be a little bit more myopic to me and my perfectionism, which is where it started. Um, But ultimately, it's about proper perspective, um, thinking of things in scale. So it started with a failure of mine. So it started where I was working on a project, uh, a a, a creative design uh, project, and it was not going well. And we did our first batch of uh, of kind of reviews for the, for the client and they pretty much didn't like any of them and they didn't want to use any of them. And I was like kind of hurt by it. And I, you know, I started to let it ruin my day and started to let it ruin my week. And then I had to, had to stop a couple of days into this and take, take stock of what was going on. Like what, what is happening here that I'm so upset about this? Part of it is that I'm a perfectionist. I don't like to fail. I don't like to be seen as somebody that didn't do well. I didn't, didn't like not measuring up, but then I had to look at it in the big picture. We were doing, uh, we were doing design for these ads that we're going to air. We're going to have five short social ads that we're going to, that we're going to go on our, our, uh, our Facebook and in our social platforms. Well, we post like 10 things a day, every day. So if you look at it in the span of a year, we do 30, 3,650 ads or, you know, posts per year. We're talking about five of 3,650 and I'm upset. I'm letting it ruin my week to scale. This is silly. And so I started thinking about how am I doing this in different ways and, and what are different ways to start looking at this? Yeah, yeah, that, that that makes sense. Um, when I hear that, uh, how I personally start to think about it with my family is that um, my kids are involved in a lot of different things, and I want them to just uh, you know really go after go after life the best that they can. They have so many opportunities, and I don't want them wasting. And so when you talk about scale and that this 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 one project in light of the grand scheme of things of everything else that you're going to do within that same realm. I think about it for me is that, uh, personally, I had to stop going to my kids, uh, soccer practice. Uh, it's kind of a weird thing, but there, there's a lot of dads that sit around there and parents, uh, that sit around and watch the practice and they're analyzing every single touch that the, their son or daughter does. And they're just watching it. And they're just, they're just, there's so much anxiety around every single practice to where I recognize that myself. And I had, I had to walk away from it. I had to literally just say, you know what, I'm going to drop them off and I'm going to go somewhere else in the field because I was getting so anxious over one practice and they're going to have hundreds of practice throughout their entire life. And I just needed to realize, I don't know what's going to happen at this practice, but you know what? It's going to happen. Why put myself in this position of just being so anxious with one thing? Is that, is that kind of tracking? Yes. Kind yeah. Of, it's just putting things into perspective. I think it's, it's ultimately about taking stock. And so one bad touch, one bad practice, one, seven bad practices, you know, it's, it's still, what's, what's the big picture here. And so for me, uh, going back, the big picture was that I, I had not done well on a very small project and I was letting it ruin my week. Like I was coming home with a bad attitude because by nature as me as a perfectionist, like I don't like to fail. And so 
I was letting this very minute, inconsequential failure wreck me. And that's, that's silly. And so it's about, it's, it's stepping back, putting things in perspective and taking stock and scale. But, but you're not, you're not saying just let yourself off the hook no. and like be a slacker and just say, ah, what, let's just, you know. No, exactly. Yeah, it's it's not that. I I definitely want to continue to achieve at, at at any at any level, whether it be small or large. But I need to. Part of it is too. I need to be. And we're going to talk about this in another time. But we're going to talk about the importance of failing and how much you can learn from it. But it was a lesson on two things: is that one, I need to fail better, and two, I need to be okay. I, I need to like like we, like I keep saying, take stock of, of things. Uh, but then I start thinking of things other like you're talking about in parenting. What are the different examples? Like so, you know, I, I we I have young kids. I have a four year old. Two year old, and you watch parents get super flustered over little things. Like I've seen, you know, certain parents are taking their kids to speech therapy before the age of two, and I'm thinking, really? Like it's <laughs> what is going? We get so obsessed. Well, he's not doing his R as well, or she she's not really good with her fork yet, and she's two. Like. So what? Like, let's look at the big picture now. How many friends do you have that can't use a fork right now? None, because it's a season. Like, so just looking at everything through scale and picking, picking your battles with your kids. Like, what are the ones that we do want to fight? What are the ones we don't want to fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that completely makes sense to me because what what your your it's this idea came about to challenge yourself personally because you were getting so worked up over small things. And the reality is that this is going to be, and, and asking yourself the question, what is the scale of thing, is giving yourself a, a way to be accountable to, because you're driven, you, you want to do things with excellence, but this is giving you yourself a, a tool to be accountable yeah. so that you won't treat others uh, poorly because of one small thing, mm -hmm. you know, because what, what I think you would also say is that all these little decisions add up to a larger pattern of life. Mm -hmm. the, you, these are more of like one-offs. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, like you're saying, I, I like the picture of, you know, how you treat other people. So we had, I had a thing that happened at church. I, I work at my church on Sundays a fair amount. And, um, we, we have two services every Sunday and there's 52 Sundays in a, in a year. If you look at that, there's 104 Sundays. And so the other day we had a really bad service, like everything just fell apart and it didn't feel right. And people were kind of down and I started looking at it. I was like, you know what? This wasn't even 1% of our services for the year. So to get upset about it. And so then you, you, you tell that to your team, like, you know what, Hey guys, this didn't go well, but let's, what are we going to learn from this? And also let's take into effect, this wasn't 1%. So again, like it helps you treat other people well, like given this, this better picture of things. Yes. And, um, as in prep uh, prepping for this conversation and scale, I did, uh, some research and I found that a study from 2018, uh, was asking the question, how many questions do we ask a day? And according to the research from 2018, they estimate that we make 35,000 decisions a day. Good gracious. Now, that is just like yeah, decisions that you really won't think about, yeah. but it's like, I need to grab the door. I'm going to open the door. I'm going to grab the can. I'm going to pull the can up. I'm going to drink the soda. You know, all, all those little decisions, but those are decisions which averages out to about 2,000 decisions an hour. So let this idea of scale bring balance to you because that was the biggest challenge as you started to talk about this with me is that where am I out of balance? Where am I out of, where am I out of balance with the things that, uh, I want to matter in life and I want to place, uh, importance at, and then the things that are getting me so riled up that really is a reflection of, I'm just totally out of balance with my priorities. That's the challenge that I hear about in this conversation mm -hmm. for myself. 
Yeah. I think about in our, in my work too, like, I think for a lot of people, the thing that really is the most important thing that we do at our work, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I know it's true for me, might be the most boring and the most mundane. It's like the nuts and bolts of what you do, but it is the most important. But because you've got it so much on a routine, it starts to be this kind of like chore for you and you forget that and you want to work on all these little niche little things, like stepping back and realize, wait a minute, this boring thing that is nuts and bolts and I've got it all, it doesn't take any thought anymore, it's just whatever, that is really 90% of what, I do and what matters to what I've done. This other 10% stuff we get to do this, whatever this fun thing might be. I need to, I need to continue to make sure that I'm giving the important things in my job, whether they're, whatever they might be, whether they're entertaining or not, or whatever it might be, or a chore or difficult, whatever it might be. It, whatever's most important needs to take most of my time. And so evaluating within, within your task, within your role, within your organization, what is your 90%? What is your most important things? And make sure you're putting the right people, assets, and time on it so that they are constantly getting better and not sliding. Yeah, that makes sense. Because at the end of the day, we're, we're wanting to, to spend our time most valuable. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? And when, when we think this little thing is worthless or it's not worth it, the reality is, is that it could ha- be having the most impact, but to us, what we value, because we've gotten out of balance mm-hmm. on the scale of, of what's important, mm-hmm. that uh, we're, we're missing the things that really have the biggest impact in our lives. Yeah, I used to work on the. I used to work on uh, film sets for to, to shoot commercials, and, and you'd spend ten hours on a thirty second commercial, which sounds crazy, but that's that's the norm. And I would watch us bog I, every every shoot. I'd watch us kind of get behind schedule and bog, and it would be over one minute shadow in the background of a background. And I'm thinking nobody is going to see this. We are getting behind on schedule to where we're going to have to rush important things later because we don't have time. Let's move on. Let's keep taking stock of how important things are and move on. (laughs) So let this be, as we transition to our next topic that we want to talk about, let this just be a reminder or or way in which what we're doing for ourselves, and hopefully it is uh, something for you to use, but asking yourself in the scale of things, where does this really fit in the scale of things? Where does this really matter? Yeah. Are you in balance? Are you in balance? So I want to talk about something next, or we want to talk about something next that, um, that has been very freeing for me. Once I realized this, uh, it felt like a weight was lifted from my shoulders. And that is, there's nothing new under the sun. The idea that, I am going to be original, that I'm going to come up with something that's never been thought of, done. The reality is, is that it's been done in, in one way, in some shape, form or, or fashion, sh- yeah. some form or fashion. It's been done. And that has been freeing for me to realize. Yeah, I, I have been thinking a lot about that lately. Um, I, w- I was at a conference last year and this guy named Zach King, who's this YouTuber, influencer guy, super creative guy, uh, and you would think, oh, man, he's so original, this, that, and the other. And his talk was the, this whole idea, there's nothing new under the sun. And he, he put four uh, quotes up, and I thought they were very interesting. And he starts with Steve Jobs, who we would all think, Steve Jobs, I mean, he's, he's originator of so much, like he's a pioneer. And it's true. But here's a quote from Steve Jobs. Good artists copy, great artists steal. And we have always been shameless about stealing great ideas. That, that's good. That because you, you think Steve Jobs is the <laughs> ultimate ultimate person of creating original content, original everything. 
Yeah. And, and they make great things. And Apple is very unique and they are pioneers, but there's nothing original. And so here's another quote uh, from Pablo Picasso. You know, I'm not sure how many years before this, this is lesser artists borrow, great artists steal. Lesser artists borrow, great artists steal. So here's Pablo Picasso, you know, you know, how many, whatever adjectives you can put before him, visionary, genius, whatever it is, lesser artists borrow, great artists steal. Everybody's doing it. Pablo, he was not, he was not the first to do art. Every, people have done it before. And then you have Igor Stravinsky saying, good composers borrow, great composers steal. So not only are people stealing good ideas, people are, people are stealing the idea of stealing ideas. Yeah. So there's or borrowing, whatever you want to call it. But, the, but what they're saying is you take it and you make it your own. So there's nothing new, but you take it and you make it your own. But like you're saying, it's a very freeing thought. Yeah, and the, the, for, for me, the reason why it's freeing is that early on, I wanted to be so original. I wanted to have my own thoughts um, so when I graduated from college, I went and started working at a local church in Hampton, Virginia. And, um, I was, I was doing everything that you do kind of at a small church. And whenever I would prepare a message, I was, I was so frustrated because I felt like I was stuck in my head because I was trying so hard to come up with this original thought that had never been taught before. And, and so I'd read the Bible and I try to have this, um, idea that, and way to explain something that had never been explained before. And the whole time I'm sitting there trying to prepare and I'm thinking, man, I sound like this person. And I sound like that person. And I sound like this person. I need to stop listening to these people so that I can come up with my own voice. And the reality is, is no, I need to start listening to more people and just regurgitate those that have come before me. Stop trying to be original. Stop trying to come up with this catchy thing because at the end of the day, we're doing it self-serving. We're, we're, we're doing it for our fame. We're doing it to, because we want to, at least for me, this is what I struggled with. I wanted to come up with something so unique that put me on the map. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in reality, it, it paralyzed me. Yeah. I didn't, develop, I didn't develop a voice because I was trying too hard to be original. That's, that is, I'm the same way. So I, I'm, I like to be unique and individual by nature. I am an individual. I don't want to look or sound or be like anybody else. But the reality is, is there is nothing new. And so uh, it's funny you say that. I've been thinking about um, like influencers lately. I've been looking at on uh, Instagram, Facebook, you watch certain people kind of have rise, rise to their fame or whatever. They all take the same path. There's, there's, they come up with some original idea. Like there's this guy that I follow. His name is Matt Cutshaw and he's does this thing called emo's not dead. And so when I was in college, I was really big into emo music and all the long, you know, the straight and tear and the tight pants, all that stuff. And so that's, that was this old phase, you know, there was this different phase of my life. So this guy named Matt Cutshaw is now bringing it back and doing these funny videos. And it just started this funny thing. But then I watched, I watched him make the transition that every one of these influencers makes, which is, oh, people are following me. I need to merchandise this somehow. And so now he's got these these really ugly sweaters and these stuff that are way overpriced. And now all of his media is less creative and more just about shilling his stuff. And you watch it with every single person. They're all doing the same thing. And it's just, we're all using plays from the same playbook. The important thing, I was thinking about what you're saying about preaching or when you're working at church is ultimately you, you do, you want to listen to more people, get more ideas, but then only, you know, your audience, you have your specific audience. So then you can make it yours for your audience. So I think that's, that's where it comes into play is like, okay, like even what this is, everything that we're doing on this podcast is stuff that we've heard from other people. Like nothing that we're going to say here is new, but it's, we're putting our own little spin on it. And hopefully within our little demographic, it will mean something to somebody because maybe they haven't heard Craig Rochelle. Maybe they haven't heard Andy Stanley, whoever else we're listening to or reading. And so I think it's, 
there's nothing bad about it. It's just we're all using our sphere of influence and all the things we're learning to to put our own little message out. So this is this is where I hear for myself. This is the challenge that I have for me. Pursue, and I tell myself this: pursue what interests you. Pursue what interests you, but don't stress over being original because originality comes from you being you. You're hardwired a certain way. And when you are yourself, the only person you can be, then that's when people are going, oh, that's so original. That's so, you're not being original. You're just being genuine. Mm-hmm. Y- you know, we, we, we pursue originality and uniqueness and like this idea that I want to uh, be catchy and pe- be remembered. But the reality is, is that we, we just need to be genuine and we just need to be ourselves because when we're ourselves, we're the best version yeah. And, and, and we are more comfortable in our skin and we, we speak from our heart, not from what the audience wants, you yeah. know? And, and that's, that's what I'm just constantly reminding myself, pursue what interests me. And in that originality or genuineness will come out. Yeah. I think there's a beautiful, it's a, it's a cliche. It's a cliches are cliches for a reason because they're really powerful and they got used so many times, but just, just be you don't try to be anybody else, your, anybody other than yourself. That's so powerful. Like with my kids, I want, we've talked about this. I want my kids to know who they are so they can be who they are. And so if, if, if June or Dash finds out who they are, what they are, what they're, how they're wired, how God has made them, then they can operate out of that. That's the best possible way that they can live. And it's a freeing thing too, because then you don't have to be jealous of other people because that's their thing. So like when I see you serving well, like Seth serves very well, I think, how did he even think to get up and do that? Like, well, that's who he is. He doesn't have to think about it. That's how he's wired. Or when I encourage somebody or I'm intentional well on somebody, how do you think, well, that's just how I'm wired. I'm just being me. So I don't have to be Seth. I don't have to be these other people that do these things. Like there's an animator here. His name is Jeff. He's incredible. I watch the stuff he does. I couldn't begin to do it because I'm not wired that way. Just like whatever it is that I have that Jeff does it. We don't have to be, so we don't have to be competing. We just have to be us. Exactly. Exactly. Because, uh, the way the me, me trying to be original, me trying to be everybody. It's kind of like fads. It's, it's, it happens all the time. We see it on social media where everybody will just run to that newest thing where they're using a filter a certain way or taking photos a certain way. We just, we just run to it because we're, we're scared of being left out. And for, for me, me trying so hard to be original and different is very prideful. And I know you, you touched on that before, and I don't mean to just go back to that, but that, that's what is freeing for me on this and, and discussing that, that there's nothing new under the sun. Cause the moment, this is where I had to realize the moment I started to do research, I started to rip off of people. My originality went out the window. The moment you start to research on anything, whatever it might be, you're, you're no longer being original. So just be honest with yourself. The moment you start to pursue something, you are looking back, you're looking to what other people are doing and you're collectively bringing it together. You're putting it into your voice or however you do things, your, you know, your makeup. So stop trying to compete with others and just be you. And that, that'll be freeing. You know, I, I follow someone else on social media. This guy goes around the country. He speaks to businesses all over the country and he's never worked a business in a day in his life. 
He is only a speaker. He's literally a motivational speaker. And all he does is pull together research that other people have done. And then he presents it in his own way. And I just realized, you know what? Great for him. No, I, at first when I saw him, I thought, this guy's never worked a day in his life in a corporation. He's never, he doesn't even oversee a staff. All he does is just travel by himself. He's self-employed. But you know what? He's doing it. And he's being himself. And I don't need to be jealous of that. I need to encourage that. And I need to learn from that. Okay, he's never led an organization. But you know what he did? He went and did a research and he found a statistic and he found a story and he put it together. And you know what? It inspired me and it challenged me and it helped me. Yeah. And I don't need to hate on that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's his thing. That's what he's doing. Uh, and people that are running organizations probably couldn't do that as well. And so we, we need both. And so he probably couldn't run an organization very well. So we, we have to have both. Uh, I think the last thing I want to say is, like, I, I, I read a fair amount of leadership books because I, like I like to hear people think. I think I know who you're talking about and I like his stuff. Um, but um, the re what I've realized is, like, since Stephen Covey's book, The uh, Seven, highly ha Seven Habits for Highly Successful People, Nobody's said anything new since then, really. If you want to, if you want to read a good leadership book, just get that one and throw the rest of them away. But what 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 it comes down to is, I like to hear other people's experience through leadership. So I just read the one by um, the guy that uh, um, Rich Carlton. I can't never pronounce his name right. Um, German guy. It was incredible. I, I'd heard it all before, but I got to hear his story. I think ultimately humans want to connect with other humans in new ways, and so I don't want to just keep reading Stephen Covey's book on leadership. I want to hear other people's. So we need unoriginal ideas regurgitated over and over again because humans just need new things. So there's just nothing wrong with it. We're all doing the same thing. We just need new content. There, you know, there hasn't been a new sermon preached in forever. Like there's no new sermons anymore. They've been preached for a thousand, you know, a thousand years of this, but there's nothing new. But I still need to go to church on Sunday and here's the same thing in a different way. Yeah, we're constantly learning. There, there's constantly something that's being put out there that is, you know, is, is just told in a different way. And so John Maxwell said this, and this is what's always helped me is that we stand on the shoulders of those that came before us. And to, to think that I got here on my own and I, I built this on my own is just, it's just wrong thinking. I, yeah, it's pride. And what is so freeing for me is the idea that, okay, I've struggled with trying to be original because I've wanted to make my mark and I've wanted to stand out. And the reality is, is I stand out when I'm just Seth. Yeah, I think too about um, another one of your creed points is not caring who gets the credit. Yes. Like that, that to me is key. When you approach anything, if you don't want the credit, that takes all your pride and your ego out of it and it enables you to do good work. And when you're doing, when you're doing it from a selfless standpoint, knowing who you are and you're operating out of your own strengths, you're going to do your absolute best. And that's all that you can do. You can't do anybody else's best. You can only do your best. And the funny thing is, is that as, as we start to wrap this up, um, I think about my kids. I love it when the, they are themselves. They are not trying to be their other brother or their other sister, but they're the, themselves. And the funny thing is, I need to just be myself. You know, I, I've literally said this statement to my, my daughter. Just be you. No, 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 no. I don't want you to do, don't color that thing the way they colored it. Don't color that or draw that just because you want the, uh, your sister's drawing that. Do what you want. I want to see what you want. Because I get so much joy out of just them being them. And that's the same with me. I need to remember, just be you. Yeah. We often let our environments shape who we are. And so one of my creeds, I think I may have shared this last time, is be yourself always, no need to impress anyone or group. 
But when I find myself in different environments, like, oh, I need to, I need to morph. I need to do this thing. And so just reminding myself, myself that, that being myself is the best, no matter who I'm with or where I'm with, the best I can do is to be myself. So it sounds cliche and corny, but it really is a beautiful, important, universal truth, which is our goal in this, this thing. Because we won't be jealous of other people. We won't be jealous of other people's talents, looks, abilities, and, and from an organizational, from, you know, working with people, we will get the mission done when we are ourselves, when we're being genuine to who we are, and we're happy for someone else being who they are. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing. Because ultimately, if you're working in an organization, you want to get the mission done. You yeah. want to get the task done. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things where realizing that there is nothing new under the sun is freeing. It's yeah. helpful. Yeah. It helps you get rid of your pride. So we hope this talk today was uh, encouraging. Uh, we hope it made sense. And uh, thanks so much for listening.